Well, good evening, everybody. I'm glad to be here again on this Tuesday night. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Galatians chapter 4, and we'll be picking it up in verse 8. As you're turning there, just want to recap a little bit of where we've been the last several weeks in the book of Galatians. So this letter is written by the Apostle Paul, written to a group of churches scattered throughout the regions of Galatia. And his main purpose in writing this letter is to address some of the false teaching that had crept into the church or into the churches in that region. There was false teachers who brought in this works-based religion. Or if it wasn't completely works-based, it was at least faith plus works. And what Paul is trying to do is encourage the Galatians by reminding them of the true gospel and to help them see that these perversions of the gospel that had crept in are really no gospels at all. That salvation can only be achieved by grace alone, through faith alone, and not at all by works. That our salvation is in no way anything that can be earned. And so Paul is calling the Galatians to be free, to live in the freedom that Christ has purchased for them, that they are no longer slaves to sin, and that they have been accepted by God because of what Jesus has done on their behalf. So he's encouraging them now to grow in their holiness, encouraging them to grow in what it means to be a son and a daughter of God. That was a little bit of what we talked about last week, and I hope you were encouraged by our time in small groups last week as we did kind of a Bible study uh, week. It wasn't completely planned that way, but you know, God had a good backup plan for us for that, so I hope that the time was encouraging for you. But we were able to talk about how, again, we are no longer slaves to sin, that we are now sons and daughters of God himself, and we get to just reflect on how amazing that is. And so tonight, we're going to be building off of that very much so, what it means to be a son and a daughter of God. And so I've titled this, Known by God. And so my goal for tonight, I think, is pretty simple. I want us to know, to understand, to just rest in the reality of what it means to be known by God in such a way that we are drawn into a greater relationship with him. And that we'd be striving to know him more and to live in greater obedience to him. The relationship with God, peace, is really what I want us to focus on tonight. How amazing it is that we get to have a relationship with the God of the universe. That being known by God means that we get to have that relationship with him. And so what does this mean? To be known by God well, first, I just want to un- help us understand that God is omniscient, meaning that he knows all things. God is the creator of all things and obviously knows things better than we know things. It should be pretty obvious that the creator would know things better than the created would. But beyond that, God knows all things. There's nothing that he does not know. There's nothing outside of that realm of knowledge that he has. So what does it mean to be known by God? Because not everyone is known by God, at least in the way that Paul is talking about it in this chapter. So I want us to think back to the beginning. 
In the beginning, God created us to be in a relationship with him. We see this with Adam and Eve, that they walked with God in the garden. But at, that, at the fall, that relationship between God and man was fractured, and they no longer walked with God as they had before. There was a separation that occurred because of sin. Now, Adam and Eve then no longer sought God like they did before. Now, because of the fall, we, in our sin nature, do not follow after God. We do not seek after God even. We would rather pursue earthly pleasures and our own sinful passions instead of a relationship with our Creator. This is part of what it means to be a slave to sin, and we do not know God. Scripture tells us in Romans 3, verses 10 through 12, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. This is the depravity of man, that we are so stuck in our sin that we don't even seek after God. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3 say, And you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is our sinful condition. We do not want God. We only want to seek to please ourselves. So to know God is not simply an intellectual understanding that he exists or that he might exist. James tells us that even the demons believe, but we know that that, they don't know God the way that Paul is talking about here. They shudder at the thought or the, the reality of God. Romans 1.21 tells us, For although they, that being mankind, knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And really, in all of the rest of Romans 1, we see this idea that man may know God in the sense that you know, they are without excuse, that God has made himself plain his existence, at least. But they do not know God. They choose to exchange the truth about God for a lie and choose to worship the created things instead of the creator. So again, we do not know God in our sinful condition. I think another verse that really helps us to see what it means to know God or to not know God is Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness." In these verses, Jesus talks about these people who thought that they knew God. They thought that they were following God, but they did not have a personal relationship with him. They did not put their faith, saving faith, in him. Their faith was not genuine. 
They did not know God, and God did not know them. Knowing the Lord or being known by the Lord constitutes a true relationship with him, where saving faith is firmly placed on Jesus. But we know that this is not our natural desire. Naturally, we do not want to be seeking God. But the good news for us is that that is not the end. If we continue in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Those couple of verses kind of highlight that it was God who has initiated salvation to us, that he has saved us and adopted us into his family, that we get to be sons and daughters of God. Again, tying into what we talked about last week. And we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and not by works. So I hope that this provides some good context for us for tonight as we get into chapter 4 of Galatians, beginning in verse 8. So let's begin reading. Formerly, when when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. I'm going to stop right there for now. Verse 8 kind of highlights that when we are slaves to sin, we're just, we're not doing anything to earn our salvation. That we're only living in a state of upcoming condemnation. We're doing nothing but deserving that. We're living godless lives. Like even if we are trying to be religious or to follow the laws like what these people were trying to do, like they were trying to adopt or readopt the law, thinking that they could be saved by their own merit. But they cannot. But verse 9 highlights that they came to know God, or rather, to be known by God. So what does that mean? To be known by God means to be saved and to be made his child. And I want us to just marvel at what that means and the reality of that. Again, tying very much off of what we talked about last week about being adopted as sons and daughters of God. John Piper says this, he says, Deeper than knowing God is being known by God. What defines us as Christians is not most profoundly that we have come to know him, but that he took note of us and made us his own. That's what I want to highlight about tonight, that we've been made known by God if we have put our faith in Jesus, that he has taken note of us and made us his own that God has initiated his saving grace in our lives, and now we are known by God, that he has adopted us into his family, 
that we can have a personal relationship with him. We know this is only possible because of what Jesus has done on our behalf, because of his death and his resurrection, that he has taken on the sins that we have committed, that he has paid the price for those completely, that he has atoned for those sins. The penalty no longer stands against us. And now we can be known by God. We can be reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 20 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. These verses just highlight like, what it took for us to be reconciled to God and the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf. And in that, we see what it means to no longer be a slave to sin, but be now made right in our relationship with God. We see that old and the new in these verses. And now we get to have that personal relationship with our God. Again, in verse 9 of Galatians 4, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, there's a personal relationship that we now have with our Creator. Again, I just want to just encourage us that this is the main takeaway I want for us to have. It's just how amazing it is for us to have that personal relationship with God that we can be known by him. And this should drive us to want to know him more and to live more in obedience to him. If we continue reading in verse 9, the second half of verse 9, how can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. How can you turn back to the very thing that you have been saved from? This law, this religion cannot save. And this is the very thing that they were turning back to. But it's talking about the, the calendar here, this highlights even more that that was the very thing they were turning back to, that they went back to observing these feasts and festivals and the things of the law, thinking that by doing them, they might be able to earn their salvation. But by doing that, they're forfeiting justification by grace alone through faith alone. And we see in in verse 11, Paul is genuinely concerned that maybe their faith wasn't genuine 
We have to have our faith in the true gospel, and it is only by grace alone, through faith alone, and not by works. But if we are going to be known by God, we will start to grow in our knowledge of God, that we'll be pursuing holiness as we strive to be obedient to him. Our desire is to continue that relationship with him. We are no longer slaves, but now living as sons and daughters. So if we continue reading in verse 12. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and have given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. The beginning couple of these verses are alluding to when Paul initially went through this Galatia region and started planting churches here. We read about this in Acts 13 and 14. And during this time, Paul did become sick, and there's a lot of speculation as to what kind of sickness this may have been. Like maybe it was malaria, or maybe he got really poor vision for some reason, or epilepsy. Like whatever condition he had is unknown specifically, but whatever it was, it was the kind of illness that would have been very repulsive to those who were around him. And yet, what Paul is highlighting here is how much they still welcomed him in, that they still saw him as a messenger from God, and they received the message that he had for them. He even talks about how he stayed there longer than he otherwise would have because of that sickness. And we see a little bit of just the purpose that God had in that. And the Galatians were encouraged with the true gospel, and Paul first brought it. Then we see in verse 19, we see this, this language, my little children. Earlier in the same letter, Paul has talked about these people as foolish or bewitched. And here he's calling them as little children. I think we just see the, the heart of Paul here, that even though he used much stronger language earlier on, that it was all in love. He views them as his children. He wants to see them growing in their faith in Jesus. He cares deeply that they're holding on to the one true gospel and not some perverted version. And ultimately, that's why this letter was written, that they would find the freedom of the true gospel. 
I also find it interesting how in the end there, it just talks about how the anguish he was experiencing on their behalf, that it was almost like, uh, like birth pangs, like it's significant childbirth, like anguish that he was experiencing on their behalf. Again, that just is an expression of just how much he truly cared for these people, how much of a desire he had that they would grow to become the people that God had called them to be. His desire was that Christ would be formed in them. And just as that was his goal for these Galatians, that should be our goal as Christians as well, to be conformed into the image of Christ. This is what sanctification is about, that we're seeking to be growing in the character of Christ and walking in more and more obedience to him. So again, Paul is calling them back to this life of freedom in Christ, that they wouldn't be bound by the law, they wouldn't, that they wouldn't be trying to earn their salvation, that they wouldn't be doing it on their own merit, but trusting in the finished work of Jesus. I just want to bring us back to that reality, though, that because of the work of Jesus, we can be known by God, that God knows us infinitely better than we know ourselves, God is omniscient, as we talked about at the beginning. He knows all things, including all of our sins. And yet he has still made a way for that relationship with us. That we can be known by him. That we can have that personal relationship with him. So my encouragement for us as we think about this for this week is that we would just take advantage of that. Like seek to know God more. Seek to grow in your relationship with him more. He wants to have that relationship with you. And there's nothing that we can do to earn it. We don't have to get caught up in making sure we're following every letter of the law. We get to just pursue him freely. We can know him as he now knows us. We can be known by him. So let's strive to do that together.